Ladies, what questions do you have about the Word of God? Let's talk. Scripture is sufficient for every need in a Christian's life. We meet the very God of the universe between the worn and wrinkled pages of His Word. Do you crave more of your Lord today? Grab your Bible and let's find some answers, some hope, together. Don't forget the coffee. You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast with hosts Kim, Kimberly, and Brandy. The Women's Hope Podcast is brought to you by the women at Glory Books. Glorybooks.org is an extension of the ministry of Dr. Greg Harris, Bible teaching pastor and chair of Bible exposition at the Master Seminary. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome. You can find previous episodes at glorybooks.org. You can also find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. I'm Kim Wine, and I am here with Brandy Huerta, my co-host. We also have Lisa LaGeorge joining us to talk about glorifying God in singleness. Welcome, Lisa, and thank you so much for joining us today. It's a delight to be with you. We are so happy to have you. So how are things at the Master's College today? It's about the end of the school year, yes? It's the first day of finals week, and the sun is shining, and everybody's having a hard time studying. (laughs) (laughs) They are tempted to be outside. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, let me tell the audience just a little bit about you, and then we'll get right into our conversation. Lisa is a professor of global studies at the Master's College, as well as the Director of Student Advancement and Mobilization. She has a long history of cross-cultural ministry work. She is rarely without a book. She loves to cook, and she enjoys opening her home for global gatherings. So I'm going to just ask you this at the beginning, Lisa. What do you like to cook? I like to cook anything I can find at the local farmer's market. Mm. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. And you guys have it so good out there with your wonderful, available, fresh produce. Kimberly, our other co-host, is in the same area and she rubs it in our faces all the time. (laughs) She loves it. I I would like to know, this is Brandy, what a global gathering looks like in your home. Well, because I work with students who come from other countries and I work with students who go to other countries, I often have students maybe as many as 50 or 60 who will come and hang out in my apartment and in my backyard. And so we may have different times, 30 or 40 countries represented. Wow. That's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we didn't really just bring you on here to talk about food and and hospitality, although those are good things. (laughs) We brought you on today to give some encouragement to our listeners who are single. We have been told that you rock singleness, that you are just awesome at it. (laughs) And we just like to talk to you about that. When I was thinking about having you on, the verse that came to my mind was Ephesians 5.16. So it tells us that we're supposed to make the most of our time because the days are evil. How do you think that applies to singleness? Well, some people would actually say that being single is quite evil. So it might apply in that manner. <laughs> you know, I used to go and what home. would be your answer to that? <laughs> I used to go home and people would always ask me questions like, you know, what's wrong with the men out there? Or have you found somebody special yet? Or are you just trying to be too picky? And uh. Or my favorite thing that people used to say to me, or they still do actually, is come on, maybe you'll catch the bouquet this time. Uh, you know, it doesn't work. But I think as I look at that verse in Ephesians, one of the, the sweet things about thinking about using my time well is that that passage in Ephesians is actually built on the first chapters of Ephesians. Mm-hmm. In the very first chapter, I'm told that God has chosen me to be his child from 
before the foundations of the, of the earth. He has been kind to me in the intention of his will. He's given me the riches of his grace, and he's provided a life for me that is specifically for the praise of his glory. And so when I think about using my life, that's what I want it to be summed up as. I want it to be summed up in that my life would bring praise to my God because mm-hmm. of the way my Savior has worked in my life. So whether I have a husband, someone to change my oil in my car, um, or to fix whatever it is in my house that's broken or not, God has still granted me a life both here and to come in eternity that's wrapped up in who Jesus is. That's awesome. That is awesome. I love that you took us back to the beginning of Ephesians. Ephesians is probably one of my absolute favorite books of the Bible to study over and over. I just, there's so much doctrine and so much truth in that book. And, you know, I think so many times when I speak with our college students or young women at my church who are not married, oftentimes they feel like for some reason they need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and do this single thing the way they should. But the reality is Ephesians tells us that it's not our own strength in which we live and move and have our being. It's in the grace of our God. And he's the one who equips us to live in a manner that's worthy of him. Um, not not our own strength. That is so true. And, and something I noticed even before I was saved is as I looked around myself, everyone is waiting for the next thing. You know, I can be happy when this or if this and not living in the day that God has given to them, whatever that brings. So I, I really appreciate that. Lisa, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of contentment in all circumstances. And of course, Philippians 4 comes to mind. Practically, how do you practice contentment when you find that your plans for your life and God's aren't the same? You know, I think it's it's interesting looking at those passages in, in Philippians where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not about how much weight I can lift at the gym or how mm. far I can run. That's, right. that's about being content with what God's given me. And so when I think of contentment, I start off and define it. It's an attitude of thankfulness for what God has given me. Mm. On the converse, discontentment is not being happy, not being thankful for what I have or don't have, right? So it's that that unthankfulness, if that's even a word. So okay. I start out and I look and I look back at those those passages in Philippians that say that the Lord is near. And so I can thank him because he's equipped me to be thankful for what I have and even thankful for what I don't have. Mm. I think another thing that comes to mind when I look at the issue of contentment is um, maybe some characters in the scriptures who lived contented lives. Paul, obviously, Mm. has contentment in Philippians 4. But Daniel has been an incredible example for me over the years because I think if ever you want to say, Here's a Bible character whose life was not what he had expected or anything. <laughs> it would yeah. be, right? He was uh, removed from his country. He had violence done against his person. You know, he was he was yes. in the court of the eunuchs, so we can assume that he belonged there. He mm-hmm. uh, was an exile and probably had his family destroyed in front of his eyes. So here's Daniel who lived a life that he didn't expect, and yet. <clears throat> He lived one. He lived his life in such a way that God was glorified 
over a long period of time under difficult circumstances that entire time. Mm. Yes. How then do we help women see how to find a friend in other characters in the Bible, Mm. like you did with Daniel? I talk with my students about my dead friends and my living friends. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel's definitely one of my dead friends. You know, honestly, as the older I get, the more I want to be immersed in the scriptures and yes. I'm, not an, I'm not a very good memorizer. And so I have taken to, just in the last four or five years, I've taken to listening to the scriptures. So as I get ready in the morning, you know, my house is quiet because I'm here by myself. Um, as I get ready in the morning, I'm able to listen sometimes to, to the Bible for an hour making breakfast and getting ready. And so I find that that's a great way to set my my thoughts up for the day and to just be focused on what it is that God has given to me in his word, what he said to me in his word. And so sometimes I'll listen straight through the New Testament from Matthew right on through to Revelation. Sometimes I'll just listen to a book over and over and over again. And as I listen to that repetitively, I find the words of that author going through my head, even as I'm, as I'm talking with my students in the office or I'm counseling a student who's come in with questions or I'm teaching uh, in my classroom, I find that the Lord's word begins to, to actually infiltrate my thinking and infiltrate my, the words that I'm able to provide counsel to students Let's say a, a, a young woman comes into your office and is looking for counsel and says, Lisa, I think I have the gift of singleness. How would you counsel her? Counsel her? Why is it a gift? Let's first talk about that and, and what it is. And then how do you know if you actually have that gift? For the record, in 25 years of working with college students, not a single one of them has ever thought they had the gift of singleness. <laughs> Some of them are afraid that they have the gift of singleness. (laughs) No one's ever actually thought that's what God was asking of them. And quite honestly, I don't see in the scriptures that the gifts that are given to us are necessarily permanent in nature. Uh, But when I look at that, that passage in 1 Corinthians 7 that talks about the gift of singleness, uh, I see Paul talking to the Corinthians and he's saying, you know, this is one way that, that you can live. And that passage refers to those who are single. It also refers to those who are married. And then it talks about those who are slaves and those who are free. And when he gets to the end of that chapter, he says, hey, whatever your status is, here's what counts. And it's pleasing God. And so with students, I tell them that we hold our marital status the way we hold everything else in life with open hands and saying to the Lord, Lord, not as I will, but as you will. Have I wanted to be married? Sure. I'd, I'd love to get married. And I want to I talk to our students that if that's something they would want. I think it's something that's very appropriate to ask God to answer that prayer, to, to bring a spouse. However, we hold that demand loosely. It can't be a demand. It's a request. Because our loving Father knows not only what's going to be best for us, but He knows what's going to bring Him the most glory. And if that means that I'm going to be single until I'm 85 or 
death do me part, then that's that's going to be something I'm going to hold with loose hands. Mm. I'm not going to cling on to that and demand that. And so I think as I talk with students, that's what I recommend to them is that they don't demand either singleness or marriage, but they request that God would work in them as he would will for his glory. So Lisa, in, in our circles, um, you know, the culture at large doesn't value marriage, but in our circles, more conservative circles, there are expectations placed on women and you've touched on that already. You know, have you catched the bouquet this time? You know, maybe, you know, is there somebody special? But there are expectations placed on women to follow a certain ideal path, college, marriage, kids. So how can a young woman avoid making idols of these things? Well, I think the first thing to do is to actually recognize that they can become idols. Mm. John Newton wrote and said that even the best gifts can become, God's best gifts can become idols. And so I think when we become demanding that that's what we need in order to be gracious and kind and sweet and godly, then we've made it, we've turned marriage or we've turned children or we've turned a house into an idol that doesn't honor God. Mm-hmm. But recognize that the gifts God gives to us, whether that be a spouse or maybe a little extra time as a single person or a child to care for or a family to invest in, as I get to do so often, when we recognize those are all God-given gifts to us, then we can honor him by actually using those things for his glory and not for our own comfort or our own, to satisfy our own demands. I agree. And and then I've seen women cry out to God for a marriage and children, and then God grants those things, and they're still discontent because they're thinking of all the ministry opportunities they're missing out on now. And I think we would agree with John Calvin that the human heart is a factory of idols. We have to be in, in every situation, like you said before, to be content. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, and even even as a married person, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say this. There have been times where I have, you know, made an idol out of not being married. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if only I were, if only I could be single and, and get all these other things in life done because the grass is always greener on the other side. Amen. And, <laughs> Uh, I read once that marriage is like a city under siege. Everyone on the inside wants to get out and everyone on the outside wants to get in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write that down. Give me a minute. (laughs) Well, I've said, I've said before, you know, in, in our recordings, I have repeated to myself, Marriage is to make me holy, not to make me happy. Marriage is to make me holy, <laughs> not to make me happy. And so, and everything that God gives us in our lives is to make us holy. And and like you said, whatever it takes is what He will give us. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true, Kim. I think that students, myself, I, anybody who's who's single, feels sometimes that we will find our satisfaction in some sort of security or whether that be financial security or the security of having a spouse. And the reality is that God has chosen us to be his children. And the only security that we find, the only comfort that we find is when he alone, Christ alone 
is the only source of our soul satisfaction. Mm. Yes, yes. And I'll just say this for the record, because my husband does listen to these. I'm not saying that I have no happiness in my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the record. But I certainly have, it has been an agent of sanctification in my life. And the Lord will use whatever he has to use to sanctify us and and whatever he knows it will take for each one of us individually. Well, I think one one of the other things that in our circles, you know, you talk about the church. I think it's hard for women who are married to remember that there are, that women who are single are not some sort of junior varsity Christians. <laughs> That's, That's right. well said. That is well said. Oftentimes I'll talk with, with ladies at my church or I'll be introduced to someone. And the first question is always, oh, what's your name? And the second question often, I mean, sometimes more than once on a Sunday is, oh, it's nice to meet you, Lisa. What does your husband do? Right. Wow. When respond that God has not provided me with a husband as of yet, it's it's the end of the conversation. Wow. Huh. Many of the married women that surround me can't imagine that they could carry on a conversation with me if I don't have a husband and children. Wow. And so I think there's a there's an attitude sometimes because marriage is so valued that we forget that God has designed singleness for the sake of his kingdom. In some cases, and for some women, that will be a lifetime. For others, it will be five years or 50 years, and he'll change that status. Uh, But I think sometimes we forget that God has intended this, this status for some people, men and women, for the sake of his kingdom. But it's not always an honorable status in the church. You know, the fact that that would be such a conversation stopper makes me think it's an identity issue. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where's your identity if they can't even relate to you because you're not married? Yeah, and that's where I think being able to identify myself as a child of God and and be reminded myself as well as remind my friends at church and, and in my world that Christ has adopted me as his child. And that's an eternal status. When I die, I will still be his child and co-heir of grace. And yet when I do die, if I have a spouse, that's not necessarily a huge part of my eternal state. Jesus said, you know, said that when we get to heaven, we're going to be as the angels, neither married nor giving, given in marriage. So if I can live today in this life, in the status I'm going to have for eternity, which is as his child, I'm going to live a much more contented life, recognizing the goodness of my God in my status as his child, and not necessarily being discontent with how he's interacting with me. Mm. So Lisa, how has singleness shaped your ministry opportunities? What are you able to do that you wouldn't otherwise? I get to sleep in till 730 and nobody kicks me out of bed. (laughs) Sweet. Girl, (laughs) I think there's a number of ways that the Lord has allowed me to minister as a single person that I probably couldn't have done if I was married with children. And one of those ways is I've gotten to travel extensively working with missionaries and missionary kids and uh, international schools. And I just love seeing the world and being a part of the church around the world. And 
that travel is exhausting. It takes a great deal of preparation and it takes a lot of cleanup when I return home. And that probably would not have been possible if I was married. Uh, I think another thing that I've been able to do is actually devote much more time in the ministry that I have in the college because I'm not married. So, you know, I have students that'll be at my house till midnight, or I'll be able to go in and meet early with students and be there for 15 hours if I need to be. Mm. And uh, that's just one of those things. Sometimes I, I gripe about it to myself or my boss, but that's something I recognize that the Lord has given me the freedom to do and devote my life uh, to that ministry because I'm not married Um, And I think I've been able to use my money in different ways as well. I'm not constrained to having to own a house or putting kids through school or buying braces. I can put more money into missions and into taking students out to eat. Hey, we're back to the food again. Um, (laughs) We'll get back to it again in a second, too. (laughs) I think there are benefits to it. There are also drawbacks. And I think it's helpful to remind people that it's not all, I was going to say it's not all a bed of roses, but it's actually very few roses. I buy myself roses and that's okay because I can. (laughs) (laughs) There are limits, right? So when I travel, I have to think more about my security issues because I'm by myself. Often when I'm thinking about how I use my time, there's really no division of labor in my household. So that becomes a, a, a more of a stretch for me to get everything done in the time frame that I need to. And when I think about money, too, I think there's one, there's only one, one salary coming in. And I live in a community that pretty much most people expect two salaries to be able to function. And so those are limitations as well. So it's not all rosy, but it is exactly what I need to be honoring to the Lord in, in what he's placed in front of me. All right, Lisa, if you had 90 seconds to tell the audience anything else, what would it be? Uh, I think there are a couple things. One is I would say that you need to be praying about being single. I think you pray for yourself. You pray for others. You pray that the Lord would potentially give you a spouse if that's what he'd will. I think it's helpful if women immerse themselves in the scriptures, especially women, and chase contentment. It's an active process. I think sometimes we so absorbed in country music or love songs or chick flicks that we forget that that's not where our contentment is found. It's actually found in knowing our God. Mm. Uh, I think I'd recommend that, that women take single people, not just women, but that single people take some risks and that they go and serve and give up belongings and materialism in order to utilize what God has given you in this time and recognize that it may not be a long period of time. It may only be a year or it may be 50 or 80 years, but that the Lord is gracious and will equip us to work in what he's placed in front of us. I think one one thing I was going to say earlier with regard to viewing singleness as a gift is that the word in Greek for gift is the word charis. Mm -hmm. And 1 Corinthians 7 says that singleness is a gift, and so is marriage. And when we think of that Greek word charis, it's also the word for grace. And so I know, we know, that if God has given us the gift of marriage or the gift of singleness, he's also given us the grace that accompanies that gift in Mm -hmm. order to be able to, to live that life which honors him. 
Mm. Yes. Well said. Well said. So Lisa, this is a fun part of our show where we're going to field you some quick questions. Try to only answer with three words or less if you can. But like we always say, we're women. We extend grace. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do your best and have fun with it. Okay. 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 So what are your three most favorite books of the Bible? Isaiah, Matthew, and Hebrews. Nice. So name three authors who have greatly influenced your Christian life. John Piper. John Newton, and Michael Card. Mm, All right. Name three Bible study tools that you can't live without other than the Bible itself. Okay, I would have to say my John MacArthur study Bible, my Hebrew Bible app for my phone, and a good concordance. Nice. Okay, tell me what app you have, because I've been looking for an app, and I, I have come up empty. My favorite one is one called Hebrew Bible, and ah. up so that it's linear, and you can also get all of the words and the meaning and the links to Strong's uh, and the links to Brown Driver Briggs, all that geekiness right within right. that. Yes, yes. I am. I geek out big time with that. Now, have you found a Greek one? I do not spend as much time in Greek as I do in Hebrew. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Interesting. That's you don't hear that cool. often. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> My undergraduate degree was in Jewish studies, and I uh, wow. just love the scriptures in the Hebrew, and so I've spent a lot of time in that. That was more than three words, ladies. Oh, we, that's okay. I, I, it's my <laughs> fault. I take the blame. I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lisa, name something you've learned to do in your Christian walk that you wish you would have learned sooner. Listen to scripture. Mm. Mm. Sounds so simple, but... It's true for all of us, isn't it? Name one Christian person, living or dead, who you'd like to have a meal with other than Jesus. That would have to be John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace. Mm. Uh. I started reading his letters about three years ago, four years ago, and the letters of John Newton are so applicable to how we live today. And the counsel that he gives to people is so fresh, even though it's 300 years old. Uh, Mm. Such a sweet, sweet man. I'd love to spend time with him. Look forward to that in the days ahead. Yes. So you're going to get on his calendar when you, when you're in the kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) That's what our, our pastor was just saying last night. You know, he's like, these are, there's all these people that I would love to, that I want to talk to But Paul, I, if it takes me a a thousand years to be, to come up on his calendar, he's one I want to be on. (laughs) We're all going to be talking about who Jesus is and what he's done anyway. So that's right. Who it matters who we're going to be talking to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the show. We really, really enjoyed our conversation today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, ladies. Join us each Wednesday on glorybooks.org for a new edition of the Women's Hope Podcast. You can connect with us on social media. Our Facebook page is Women's Hope Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Women's Hope Talk and Twitter at Women's Hope Talk. Our most important message for you today, if you listened to this show and you realize that the Word of God is foreign to you and that maybe you've never surrendered your life to the Savior Jesus Christ, you can find the greatest news you've ever heard at glorybooks.org gospel. Check it out. And if you go to that page, please share with us what you thought of the good news you saw by emailing us at womenshope at glorybooks.org. From all of us at the Women's Hope Podcast, we pray you found this to be an encouraging and edifying discussion, and we pray that you just have a wonderful day.